Yeah, start high. There we go. That's. <laughs> I hear you. All right, let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the Fateful. That's the only people hanging in right now, and for the Fateful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay, although that was a really frustrating loss. Man, just when the Oilers win eight in a row, they got to go and lose three in a row. And uh, that, this was a really frustrating loss. It felt like the Oilers should win this game, eh? It just felt like they were going to win this game. Like all along, they were going to find a way to win this game. You don't feel that way. I felt that way. And then they lose this game 3-1 to to the New York Islanders. First, the grade A shots in the game, which um, were evidently indicative of of nothing. 16-9 for the Oilers. Mm -hmm. But the five alarm shots, 6-5 for the Islanders, which is is, those are the most dangerous of all uh, grade A shots. And the Islanders scored on three five alarm, three different five alarm shots, half their five alarm shots. And the Oilers uh, scored on their one shot wasn't a dry saddles goal was not a five alarm. It was just a grade A shot. Nice coming in fast and firing away, but it was not that, you know, the goalie might have had that one even. But not to be Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. Let's get it going. What's your good thing? Get it going. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ryan McLeod as my good thing tonight. I thought this was one of his his best efforts of the season. Uh, I thought he was skating hard and with purpose, and he was actually taking the puck to the hole, which is more than a lot of the Oiler guys were doing. And I'm not sure how much it showed up in his stats in the end, but I do know that he uh, 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 he set up some opportunities uh, by uh, uh, certainly for his line mate uh, Connor Brown, he set him up several times, and he himself just getting the puck into good spaces and getting deeper through the through that net uh, of Anders defenders, a web of defenders that they strung out from the faceoff dots all the way down to the goal line. It seemed like and and. Uh, 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 I thought he skated hard and with purpose. And sometimes you see the one and not the other. Mm-hmm. And this game, I saw some of both from uh, McLeod. And frankly, I thought he should have seen more of the third period. Yeah, he set up um, Connor Brown for three grade A shots. Mm-hmm. Maybe setting up the wrong guy, but uh, that's a little bit well, of a shot. Look at Con- poor Connor wingers. Brown, he can't score. Yeah, Who's he supposed to set up, you know? Well, I know. And Connor Brown... <laughs> Oh man, let's not even get into it. But he's yeah. just struggling this year. And uh, yeah, McLeod was skating well, and um, it wasn't a night when the big guys stood out that much. I mean, um, Coach K broke up the big line of Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, and McDavid, he, and then he went back to them a bit in the third. I saw, and um, it looked like it had paid off in the first shift. They with Drysaddle scoring, although Nugent Hopkins wasn't in on that goal, but. I don't know if yet. Like I, I see what he's doing, trying to, to yeah. get um, Drysaddle going, because the line of Nugent Hopkins, Drysaddle, and Fogel makes sense in a lot of ways. Um, Drysaddle is uh, 
had his had his best year as MVP year. He's with Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto. And this line has a similar vibe or feel to that because Fogel's a Yamamoto-like aggressive forechecking player. And uh, Drysdale could use someone to help set him up. But man, it, you felt the absence of that. I felt the absence of that big line. And the play died on a Vander Kane stick quite a bit. Oh, so the big guys were not going. And so I don't have one of them as my good thing either this game because actually they weren't that good. They didn't get it done on the power play, not even close. So I'm going to go with, I was just glad to see Derek Ryan back in the lineup. He had gotten hurt the other game. Looked like he might be out. And uh, I think he's a very, he's a crucial player for the Oilers. And I note that first power play goal against, they usually have Nugent Hopkins and Derek Ryan out there to start the penalty kill. But Ryan had just, uh, was the end of his shift. So they, instead of Nugent Hopkins and Ryan, they went with Nugent Hopkins and Connor Brown. And um, they missed Derek Ryan. We'll get into it a little bit more. Uh, both of us will talk about that goal in a moment, uh, different aspects of that goal. Um, but Ryan, um, I thought he just showed up. He showed up about three or four minutes after that. He just showed what he, why he's such a good hockey player. The others were breaking up the ice and they lost the puck going into the Islander zone. And Ryan was just so heads up in terms of getting back and helping out uh, the defenseman, DeHarnay, on the two-on. It looked like it was going to be a two-on-one, or could have been. And it, with about half the Oilers forwards, it would have been a two-on-one. Because they wouldn't have been conscientious. They wouldn't have been thinking, oh, this could easily be a two-on-one. This is a dangerous moment on the ice. I can't think offense for for once. i got to think defense. But Ryan... He does think that way. And he got back and he turned uh, what looked like a two-on-one into a two-on-two. And then DeHarnay finished it off with a really good block shot, um, stopping that scoring opportunity. It's the kind of defensive effort that the Islanders, frankly, had all game long from yep. all their players. Yep. And uh, the Oilers didn't lose this at even strength. No. Um, they but, won the even know, strength game one nothing. They did. But um, their even strength defense this this year has been lacking now and then but not because of Derek Ryan he always he almost always is in the right spot at the right time and uh such a smart player Bruce your bad thing yeah well it's a part of the game that wasn't played five on five and that would be the special teams both Edmonton special teams absolutely sewered their chances to win this game both were wretched uh, the uh, power play had a chance in the first period and did nothing with it. Uh, and then uh, New York had two chances in the second period. Let me see now. It took them uh, uh, 34 seconds to score on the first power play. Minute 29 on the second power play, only because uh, Skinner had made a great save about five seconds into the power play, or that one would have been over early. And so then they wound up in a situation where they're they're due to get the next penalty. Drysaddle's taken a pretty marginal penalty. Yeah. And so Drysaddle rather smartly kind of takes a bit of a dive on the next time he's got the puck and the ref calls it and so here's the chance now you got okay you got this great record-saking power play up against uh near Con. this is let me check now 
70.8% penalty kill, 32nd and last in the NHL. Not only did Edmonton fail to score on them, they give them a free goal. I thought brutal pass to nobody that winds up with a two-on-one going the other way and the puck's in the net. And then they uh, they carry on. They make one play that McDavid drives in, draws a second penalty. They have a five-on-three for two minutes against the 30-second, or one minute, against the 30-second penalty kill in the league. And they fail to generate anything. And even five-on-three, they know that pass to Dreisaitl is coming to the point that they had a guy waiting in the shooting they lane did. to block a shot on a five-on-three. Yeah. Like, it wasn't there. So guess what? There's only three guys. One of them's covering that shooting line. There's only two other guys. Make it count. So uh, anyway, McDavid, that McDavid didn't happen. was so hesitant to shoot tonight, Bruce. Like, mm-hmm. it, he reminded me of the Connor McDavid from before his 60-goal season. Yeah. He yeah. reminded me of McDavid who, who didn't mm-hmm. shoot enough. And, and there was one chance... He had mm-hmm. in the slot where he put right it over. He just should have shot, like shoot McDavid. You are slot. you are such a great goal scorer, and he just he was hesitant mm-hmm. to shoot the puck. It was very frustrating. Bouchard could have launched it a few more times too, but no, he or hit the net when he did. Yeah, you're right. He could have hit the net. He could have hit the net. How many did he miss? Eight shot attempts, two on net, five blocked. Yeah, one wide. Yeah, yeah, the big yeah. one in the late going on the six on on the penalty kill actually. Late and they stole the puck yeah. and set him up and he hammered it wide. <sighs> uh, it happens. Bruce, um, I'll just segue to my bad thing because it's it's that first goal mm-hmm. on, that the Islanders got on the power mm-hmm. play, and the difference in this game was goaltending. And you and I, I don't think we're high on the list of people who pick on the Oilers goalies a lot. You know, we, I don't know how many times they've been our bad things this year, Skinner or Picard. I mean, Jack Campbell, I think was the bad thing, but we're not super quick, at least uh, relatively, I'm going to suggest to jump on the goalies. And even in this game, you know, Skinner, he made some good saves. He made some really good saves. He stopped a breakaway. Um, he stopped some some tough plays, but the difference in this game, Bruce, like in so many Oilers' losses, the difference was goaltending. And maybe the bad thing is the Islanders got such fantastic goaltending. This is like three times running we've had Russian goalies beat our uh, Canadian goalies. First, it's um, Vasilevsky, then it's Bobrovsky, and now it's uh, Sorokin. And um, man, it's Three getting star uh, goalies, and it's getting it's tired, tiring. Yeah, mm-hmm. they are good goalies. I'm picking on the first one because the two power play, the uh, the two other goals against were were pretty good goals. That mm-hmm. first goal, though, it was a there was a shot from the high slot that I think Skinner saw clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a great A shot. And he let it go through the puck drop through him behind him and was put in the net by Anders Lee and uh, no one was covering him. Now, again, Derek Ryan wasn't out there. Connor Brown wasn't. Connor Brown kind of got out of position. He went for the steal instead of covering the passing lane, I thought. He, and um, that puck, that's why the under defenseman who went in and shot that puck, or I think it was the defenseman, was so wide open to get the initial shot. So that wasn't good from Brown. 
but really the difference between Skinner and Sorokin was Sorokin has that. He suffocates that puck. He freezes that puck. Yeah, no way Skinner, that rebound drops down behind him like that. Yeah, Skinner let it Skinner let it sneak through and boom, it's one one. And again, the owners have really dominated up until that point. And um after that, Sorokin just stones them, stones the Oilers in it's the like third last period. Year. So it's not like Skinner was terrible, but he wasn't good enough to win. Mm-hmm. And um, goalie's a big part of this game. You know, do you think the Oilers deserve to win that game, Bruce? What would you say? Well, the stats say all the stats say they were the better team by like a two to one margin. Uh, my personal opinion is no, they deserve to lose that game because they made crucial mistakes and shot themselves in the foot and did not execute when they actually did have the puck in good positions. Tons and tons of bad decisions and turnovers. Yeah, it, it was kind of, um, was that like the Tampa Bay game in a way? Like even though, you know, they kind of pissed it away like it's it's well i'm just, going why are you passing there like over and over again like a guy is right in the slot and he decides no i'm going to try and make that extra pass through this forest of sticks that's been there all game and guess what the puck doesn't get through the forest of sticks that's been there all game maybe do something different keep it simple stupid yeah i there's something to be said for that and they they didn't get a bounce like they just didn't seem to get a bounce. I have to say the Islanders really executed well in the power play. Those yep. two goals that they got were outstanding goals. They just were passing they well. Take that rebound, but yeah. Well, you know the rebound. You're right from Skinner sneaking through him. But other than that, like mm-hmm. those were great passing plays, shooting plays, and but that was just uh, frustrating as hell to watch the Oilers get goalied again, essentially, and that's what happened. And um, why the orders have a losing record right now big reason yeah. bruce what is your numero yeah i'm gonna go with uh i could pick a lot of numbers out of this game uh but i'm gonna go with eight six and all which is the orders record in the last 14 games uh 571 points percentage over those 14 games this in a league that's uh, got an average points rate of 553 so in other words eight six and oh you're just barely treading water and in the 14 game span they had an eight game winning streak but they've completely wasted it by having two three game regulation loss winning streaks that are losing streaks at the beginning and the end of it where they never lose one game. They always lose two, three, four in a row, and almost always they lose in regulation. And it's killing them. It's killing them. I got like zero standings points now in the last week. And they're just losing like tons of ground every night. And they made up a bunch of that ground, and they've just turned her and given it all back. It's just aggravating as all get out. really is. It's really frustrating. <laughs> I'm feeling it, Bruce. I'm feeling it tonight. Um, I am too. You can the probably got tell. I'm pretty agitated myself. Yeah, the owners got outworked a little tonight, and my number is related to that. You know, often it's said block shots and hits. You know, they don't. They don't. They're not correlated with winning in the NHL. Just mean you don't have the puck. <laughs> but sometimes they're quite significant numbers in a game. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're really indicative of a team that wants it more and is trying harder and is outworking the other team. 
And I'm not saying that's always the case, but that is the case tonight. And the block shots were uh, 22 to 8 um, for the New York Islanders. And the hits, let me just see if this is correct, 22 to 8, because they're always updating these numbers. Yeah, 22 to 8. And the hits were 25 to 9 for the Islanders. 25 to 9. Wow. That is really not great. You know, um, some of these guys, they got to, you know, uh, Connor Brown didn't have a hit tonight. Nobody, hardly anybody did. And Ekholm had four of the nine. Ekholm had four of them. He had half their hits until there was a real late one given, rewarded to someone else. He had four out of eight with about five minutes left in the third period. I looked at the event summary during the last TV timeout, and I was shocked to see such a low total. McDavid and Dreisaitl, not one hit between them. Nope. Vinny DeHarnay, not a hit. I mean, it's just most, yeah, as you say, most of the players most didn't have a hit. Most of the players, hit. yeah. And, um, yeah, I just, the owners didn't have that prime time effort. I mean, they came out well. Obviously, they had the first seven grade A shots in the game. They got the one nothing lead, but after that, they let it slip away. Yeah. So, Bruce, let's move on to my conundrum. Okay. About halfway through this game, the Islanders are up two to one. And the Oilers have a power play. They get this power play. And I was so tense at that moment. I just I just needed a break from the game. I went and did something else for a while because I couldn't stand to watch the power play in case they didn't score tied up. You know, they needed a goal. They needed to score in that moment. Yep. And I was just feeling all this tension. And I just realized, like, frack. I, I, and it's tough to be a fan of a team. It's hard to want that team to win so much. And as Sir Alex Ferguson said, misery is the price of being a fan. Because when your team's not winning, that's what you feel. And I realized then, like, as a kid, how spoiled I was. Because I was a Habs fan in the 70s and then an Oilers fan. So my team was constantly winning the Stanley Cup when I was a kid. Yeah, I'm getting those, you know, dopamine hits, you know, that euphoria of, of cheering for that team. But I realized since 1990, cheering for the Oilers, that's the last time uh, my team has won the Cup. And I just thought, like... <laughs> Maybe I should start cheering for more teams. Like, maybe I should try to cheer for all the Canadian teams. So whenever a Canadian team wins, I'm happy. And if a Canadian team wins the cup, I'm going to be, I'll try to capture, recapture that euphoria. But I just don't know. I don't know if that's, if I can do that. Like, that's my conundrum. <sighs> like, this team is, this team, this year, well, there's been other really tough years too, obviously. But this one's this one's up there. This is up yeah. there. Yeah. Well, I grew up a Leafs fan because there were no Oilers when yeah. I was a young fellow. So I got to experience. Uh, uh, I missed the '62 Cup, but I, I experienced the '63, oh, wow. '64, '67 Cups for Toronto. Wow. And uh, then, of course, the five for the Oilers, and of course, being in the in the barn for four of them as uh, as. Uh, thrill of a lifetime um uh one of the secrets david is to follow multiple sports because chances are one of your teams in one of the sports might have it going on at any given time my other so, team is manchester I've been an united fan 
a Cardinals baseball fan, a Steelers football fan over the years, you know, and and some of those teams have had some uh, some pretty nice runs, but uh, I don't 1990 time, is a long time. Yeah, no, neither do I anymore, to be honest. But uh, uh, and the hockey, you know, has been coming 82 games a year. Uh, thing with you know all of the games televised and so on that just takes a big chunk out and of my. And we go hard on the hockey. Time. Obviously, and we, do. And we do. Obviously, this is a part like it's a part-time job as well for us, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but uh, it's and but we're into it. Like we you know mm-hmm. do the scoring yeah. chances. Like we're devoted and fanatical mm-hmm. about it yeah. and thinking about this all the time. So it's a little bit oppressive um, mm-hmm. when the team isn't doing well. That's for sure. So I don't know. I don't know. Like yeah, I could. I don't even watch the other sports. I don't watch NBA. I don't watch NFL. I don't watch Major League Baseball. I don't watch British soccer, although I'm a Manchester United fan. And they're this horribly inconsistent team this year as well. So I don't get any relief relief from that. And I only watch the highlights of those games on the website. So, you know, if for me, it's just all the Oilers all the time. And yeah, maybe that's it. It's just, I'm just too focused on this. And <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, defeat weighs hard. Uh, Vince Lombardi, he's always good for some co- quotes. Here's one from him: "Defeat is worse than death because you have to live with defeat." <laughs> okay, that's a little nuts, but um, <laughs> although it's probably wasn't technically- said, there's only two. There's only two. I, I, I was looking for this quote, which I thought was Lombardi. There's only two two um, outcomes in sports: winning and misery. Who said that? Well, when, uh, I think that is a Lombardi quote. That's what I thought too. Or is it a slightly yeah. different than that? It might be. Might be. Might well, be. Something like winning isn't the the the. the well, winning isn't every everything. Winning is the only thing. That's it. Winning. That's a Lombardi. Everything. Yeah. Winning is the only thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to just like be on the ride and enjoy the ride for what it is. Sometimes, mm-hmm. like you know, you know, you like if you maybe if we knew the outcome ahead of time, but of course it's the suspense that makes it that's so thrilling. If you try to go back and watch a game when you know the score, it's hard to watch them because they're so boring. <laughs> it is the suspense that uh, and the drama that keeps us going. And and you know we have our, of course our our players that we're all rooting for. Everyone's got their favorite mm-hmm. players and players they don't like as much. And but. You know, really, with the Oilers, I'm honestly, I root for them all. Like, I don't have, I don't have players. I have had players in the past that I'm so down on, Mm -hmm. I I can't bear to watch them anymore. There's no players on this Oilers team this year that are that's like 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 that. There's some who have been a little bit disappointing, Mm -hmm. but I like every player genuinely on this team and really see value in all of the all of them. I think this is a good team with good players without one guy who doesn't pull his weight. Even Connor Brown, um, who's had a hell of a horrible year by his standards, coming back from injury, has good moments. Yes, he does. But he has his good moments. You can see the player there. Like, frack, get it together, man. Like, you're just, you're close. Just, you just. Here's one bounce one off the inside of the goal post next time. The outside (laughs) generally doesn't work. It comes close and ping. This team is trying my patience, Bruce. 
Yeah. I guess and at the same point. time, you can't, you know, there are some, some folks that root for a player so much that they refuse to apportion them any blame for a play that goes wrong. And it's, not, you know, when something goes against them, it's everybody else's fault. Like Bouchard didn't cut out the 2 on one pass on the shorthanded goal, but it wasn't his fault because Nugent Hopkins gave the puck away. And I agree, Nugent Hopkins made by far the bigger error on the play. Uh, I don't agree that it was uh, completely one man's fault and that nobody else could do anything about it. But no one else did do anything about it. And as for Nugent Hopkins, who's one of my favorites, he was absolutely wretched in this game. I'm going to give him as bad a grade as I've ever given him for a two? turnover on the power play that cost a goal, a turnover on the five on three that cost him his own time. Turnover, I believe, I'm going to look at the play again on the first power play goal where he tried to clear the puck on the PK and it went right to Dobson. And just just nothing was clicking for him at all, at even strength or on either special team. It was a very tough night for for the Nuge. And uh, he was wearing it by the third period. I thought he looked like kind of like, uh, you know, the shoulders were down a little bit and, uh, you know, and... Anyway. Not his best game. You know, the, the scoring chance work that we do, the video review of all the grade A shots, mm-hmm. did, I mean, it does have the effect of keeping us honest in, in that regard, like not, mm-hmm. and trying to be fair to all the players. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only value with what we do is if we're fair and accurate, is if it has some credibility outside of our, you know, that other people will recognize. If it doesn't have that, we're just waste. We're completely wasting our time. So the 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 then the impetus is on us. It's on me. You know, usually I do the first round of grades, and then you go over them, and we sometimes have discussions about different things that happen. But there is a real onus and imperative for on both of us to try to set aside mm-hmm. those biases. And you you know you mentioned Bouchard, like he's one of my favorite players. I've I've oh, always dude. liked him. Um. So, but you know, on that play, it's clear he's got. He, He's got to cut out that pass. Mm-hmm. He's got to find a way. And, and I think he actually, I think he, I don't think he played it well at all. It was clear that that guy wasn't going to shoot. That the, the I think it was Page with the puck. He was, he he got more and more in a position where he was not going to shoot. Bouchard should have been reading it a little bit better. Um, ready to move over a little bit faster and block that pass in my eyes. So um, even though I like the player, you know, our, mm-hmm. our discipline is to try to rate them, rate them fairly and accurately on these, on these grade A shots. And well, apparently coffee and in one of his early discussions with Bouchard talked about risk and reward. And uh, according to Daniel Nugent Bowman, who was interviewed on the low down with low tide today, he was saying, he said, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but basically coffee told Bouchard that when it comes to high risk, high reward, there was no one more that type of player than coffee was himself as a player yes. and he's absolutely right because that's that was how he, and he said the thing is to recognize the time when the risk isn't worth it the reward potential reward isn't worth the risk and you know pick your spots a little bit and uh, bouchard to his credit has been i think doing better at that but uh you know two on one is a you know, that, that was a tough play. To stop. Like it, I'm not know, saying it wasn't a tough play. It was a he tough was, play. He was left back. All the other forwards were caught up the ice, and then Nuge coughed up a pass to basically nobody that left him in a bad spot, and he couldn't, you know, he needed a hero play. Like Darnell Nurse, uh, he had one early in the uh, power play where 
he tried to go down and take out the pass and the guy beat him with speed. He got it through him before he was able to get horizontal yeah. on the ice. And, and uh, Skinner had his back that time. But then later in the game, Nurse himself laid out and he broke up a two-on-one with a great diving play. You know, like sometimes you got to make the play at least sometimes. And the orders on two-on-ones are not uh, not stellar for the most part. Yeah. Bouchard's been a different player since Paul Coffey's taken over. He's been a much better player, especially with the puck. He's starting to really make plays with the puck, skating with the puck, holding the puck, geeking with the yep. puck, deking off the blue line, moving in, uh, deking to get a shot off. He's, it's there just, was a play tonight where he delayed. I thought it was the shoot, the moment to shoot, and I thought he's going to shoot and it's going to get blocked. There's a guy that's just come over and taken it away, and yeah. he recognized it, and he took it inside the guy and sort of held it an extra half second he shot and it still got blocked but it got blocked in behind and created a very dangerous rebound for Hyman yeah and you know it was just good good recognition by him to, to change his timing on the play to get it through the guy you know the first shot blocker that Noah Dobson who's forever linked with Bouchard mm-hmm. through the draft because the owners could have taken Dobson of course yep. is a hell of a hockey player mm-hmm He's just a big, skilled, excellent hockey player. So is Bouchard. They both are. They both turned out to be fantastic draft picks, is how I will say, I will frame that. And mm-hmm. both of them could be on team the next Team Canada. It's possible. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so many great right-shot defensemen on Team Canada right now. Candidates, Peter Angelo and Makar. Mm-hmm. Maybe others that aren't coming to mind right off the top of my head. Is Burns a right shot? Yes. Although Burns is a little long in the tooth. But yes. there's Doughty's right shot, is he not? Yes. So there's, again, there's a, might be, there's a ton of them, Matt. What a plethora of uh, great uh, right shot demon. Anyway, Bruce. All right, so we've got two games coming up. God, they got to get at least two points Thursday, out. Friday, four, yeah. four points would be just magical. Christmas yeah. magic. Yeah. Uh, and that's the Devils and the Rangers, which are two good teams. But you can nope. beat those teams. They're beatable teams. They're not. They're not the Harlem Globetrotters. So, got to be scoring more than one goal, though. All of a sure sudden, do. The, the offense has just dried right up these last two games. You know, they had 15 straight games with three plus goals, and now they have two games in a row with one goal. Yeah, I wonder what they'll do with the forward lines if they'll go back to the big McDavid line. I suspect they might. But I think that the I think I think Drysaddle does need to play with a playmaker. I think that was the right instinct. So maybe we saw Gagne with Drysaddle for a shift or two. Mm-hmm. Gagne, Drysaddle, and Fogel might be a decent line. I mean, these are obviously not ideal line mates, but Warren Fogel is a seriously underrated player, even though he doesn't get many points. The guy creates an immense amount of great A shots, um, charging the net. And there's lots of rebounds because of him, and he makes some good passes. He forechecks oh, like a crazy. Very sick passes tonight. I think he and Drysital um, are a good combination. They need to find that other guy, and maybe you know Gagne might not be that other guy, right. but he is a highly skilled player who can make plays, and I think that's what they need. Kane, like Kane um, is um, now, you know, he's. He's had some really good games and some some weaker ones. Overall, though, I, he's kind of a third-line energy player, hitting player who makes plays now and then, I think. Because on the top line, he was 
given away the play in it with him so much with McDavid and Hyman. I just think they need to go back to that that other line and maybe give Gagne a shot with Dreisaitl and Fogel. Yeah. Well, they're still shy at least one top six winger. You know, yeah. They got they put Nuge over there on the wing and they they uh, you know they paid Hyman to come into town and they paid uh, Kane Brown. to come to town and they're going to pay Brown for having come to town. Uh, but where is the internal development? Like where is the winger that the team has developed from inside the system that can put the puck in the net more than once a month? Yeah, and Holloway, just as he was turning the corner this year, had a couple good games in a row. Bang, he gets hurt again. He's always getting hurt. Yeah, in theory, he's the guy. In theory, before him, Yamamoto, Pugliarvi were the guys, you know, high high draft pick wingers. Lavoie, supposedly such a player, he's still buried in the minors on his second contract. Like, where is the d- development? Well, they did develop Nuge as a winger. Yeah, eventually, he yeah. was the first overall pick. Yeah, so I don't know that's if that's a center. developing or just actually finding <laughs> the right spot for him and at, at last. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. yes, they could do worse than put Sam Gagne up there for a couple of games with drive settle. He's a very smart, skilled player. He's moving. He's moving well. He is tricky, yeah. mm-hmm. though. Uh, that's what I would. That would for be a game idea. or two, yeah. I mean, it's not the worst idea. Like, I don't think he could play like 18 minutes a night, kind of workload yeah. over any extended period. But I do think he could step up in a short time and you know i mean it, it would have to be a game where he's feeling it and the coach would have to be paying attention to whether he's feeling it or not which i would argue that the coach didn't necessarily have a real strong feel on who was and wasn't feeling it in tonight's game maybe that's just... <sighs> yeah all right bruce all right, Dave. Any other final thoughts? I get to write about this pig now. 83-38, man, and uh, shot attempts. 83-38, to what's not to like? The shots were 32-20 for Edmonton, but I think at the moment New York made it 3-1. to one. It was like 17-12 to 12 for New York. And then they got like three more shots for the entire rest of the game while they just basically let Edmonton pound away from the outside you know but the expected goals weren't that different it was about like from our numbers mm-hmm. it's about three to 2.7 3.1 to 2.7 it was very close like if you go by the quality of the shots so yeah the Corsi numbers were not um yeah. indicative of the play tonight for uh, at, a, at a team level Natural Statric had a 4.2 to 2.2 for expected goals, but yeah, we're we're a lot closer than that. I here. don't, I don't see that as being the story of this game. No, the story of this game was execution. In the same. All right, thanks, Bruce. <laughs> thanks for talking tonight. Right, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.